I'm so glad you guys are here worshiping with us today, whether you're online or in person. We have just finished a series that we called Greater Than as we worked through the book of Hebrews, and that author reminded us over and over and over and over that Jesus is greater than anything that this world has to offer. The best of the best, the hardest things that we would ever walk through in life. And I don't know why Siri wants to talk to me. I didn't say anything, Siri, but thank you very much. But Jesus is greater than all of those things. And then next week, we're going to begin a series called Who's Your One? And we're going to be looking at how we can have conversations in today's culture and climate that lead people to Jesus, even in the midst of uh, this culture of moral relativism. And so we're going to be getting into that. But this week, I'm going to do something that I don't normally do. So I'm going to ask your grace and your forgiveness if I mess something up or if I do something. Uh, but I've been getting a lot of questions this year. Uh, it's been an interesting year, hasn't it? And most of those questions pertain to, okay, what do we do about this? And how do we react to this? And what are we supposed to do to respond to this? And then on top of that, it's an election year. And all those things start tying together. And so today, I'm just going to go ahead and admit, honestly, where we're going today is a much better conversation than it is a sermon, uh, but it's going to be a sermon, and I invite you into a conversation. So if I say something that maybe triggers something in you that you want to talk about, then I would love to talk with you about these type of things. Um, but I would also encourage you that much of what I'm going to say is based on questions that I have received from people, whether it be in person or on a note. And can I just give you a little word of advice on that? Um, we absolutely love and invite your comments and your feedback. Please sign your name uh, because sometimes it's just, I've been taught a long time ago and I don't do it all the time that if it comes without a name, it gets filed. You know what I mean? Uh, that would be filed in the trash because we can't engage in a conversation um, like that. And so you don't have to agree with everything uh, that I say or do. I'm wrong about a lot of stuff. You can ask my children. Um, and so it, it, that's how it goes. But I would love to engage in a conversation. So don't be scared to go, hey, here's an opinion or comment or suggestion or whatever. But just sign your name to that. So we're going to talk, though, about current events, how I'm supposed to respond as a believer to all these things that are going on in the world around me, this election that's happening, these riots that are happening, these groups that are rising up, all this stuff that's going on. And I want to just let you know something, though. We're not going to deal with each one, and I'm not going to tell you a decision to make or how to live your life. I'm going to remind you of what God's Word has to say about each and every one of these things. Because we need to understand as we start this whole thing that for a follower of Christ, God's Word is my authority. God's Word is my authority. So that's where we come to on this. It's not a reference book. It's a book of truth. And what do I mean about that? We, we don't run walking into life and run into something and then go, oh, what, what does God's word have to say about that? What does God's word have to say about that? that that's going to get you frustrated and lost. If we profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ, we take God's word and we put it into our hearts and we put it into our lives and then we live this word out no matter what the culture or the situation dictates for us, it starts and ends with God's word in the life of a believer. Meaning we don't come to it when we find ourselves in a situation. 
we approach situations based on what God's word says. And every situation that we face in life honestly boils down to just a few things. It's either having to deal with what my relationship with God is, because a lot of people are asking God, where are you in this? Why is this happening? What's going on? That affects our relationship with God. It may affect our relationship with others that are not so close to us, maybe leaders or people in charge that we've never had a conversation with or we don't know, but we judge their actions and we judge their work and we sit there and we go, I don't understand why this is going on or why that's going on and how I'm supposed to respond to that. And then sometimes it has to do with people that we actually do life with on a daily basis, family, those who are close to us, our coworkers. Those are where it all comes down to. We're asking the question, how am I supposed to live in the midst of these things? So how do I respond to the current events? So here's your answer. I've been preaching it all year. I started the year with it. Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Hear me on this. Not one thing has happened this year that keeps you from doing that. Not one thing. And not one thing is going to happen for the rest of the year that's going to keep you from doing that. And not one thing is going to happen in the future to keep you from being able to do that. You see, here's what we need to understand when we say that God's word is an authority. Sometimes we get lost because we're trying to reconcile the things that we see happening in the word or world around us with the word of God. We're trying to make them fit together. Here's a clue. They don't fit. It's not a matter of making them fit together. It's a matter of understanding who's got the priority. God's word, everything else. That's where it fits. And so if you're trying to figure out, well, how do I make this work together? Or how do I, how do I fit my feelings about this and this? How do I adjust this? That's not how it's supposed to work. God's word says how we're supposed to react to everything as a follower of Christ is love God with all that you have and then love others. You know what I love about that passage too? You may or may not be familiar with this, but the person who asked him that question was trying to trap Jesus. And Jesus gave that answer. He said, here's the greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so since the guy was trying to trap him, he, he asked him a follow-up question. That's a great answer. Who's my neighbor? And Jesus used as an example the worst person that he could think of to describe who your neighbor was for that person. A Samaritan in that sense. He said, I'm going to take this person that doesn't act like you, think like you, talk like you, vote like you, believe like you, anything else. That's your neighbor. That's who you're supposed to love. And so that's what God's word leads us to do. And so what he's telling us is if he can love the least of these and you can love everybody in between, that's how we're supposed to live our life. So our response as a follower of Christ to everything that would happen in our culture, in our community, in our country, in our world around us is this. Love God with all I have. Love my neighbor as myself. Nothing changes no matter what happens. In Micah 6, 8, God's word puts it this way. Mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what it is that the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. 
So our response as a follower, here's what you say when you say that I'm becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. Here's another problem. We're not fitting God into our life. That's not what it means to be a follower of Christ. A true follower of Christ means I realize that my life is leading to death and destruction. I lay down my life and I give you, God, all that I have, so now I follow you. And so, therefore, my response to every situation that I face personally or in my community is based on God's word as the authority and Jesus as the authority. He is greater than anything else in this world. So I don't try to make God fit into my life. I lay my life down and I follow Jesus as the authority. So let me give a strong word here at the front. Not designed to offend, but certainly designed to challenge. If you're more passionate about a presidential election than you are about sharing the hope of the gospel, then it's time to repent as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because that doesn't demonstrate a hope, all my hope is in Jesus. I'll sing that, but I don't know that I feel that. Or my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, but I I don't know what's going on in here. We need to understand These things that we have in life are important. Hear me clearly. I'm not saying it's not important. But I'm saying there's a priority here that should drive our mindset on these things. We should have a kingdom of God mindset on the way that we view the things that are happening in this world. Because as followers of Christ, we're called to be ambassadors of hope, not ambassadors of chaos. So we're supposed to shine light and bring hope in the situations that cause everybody else stress and discomfort because we have a hope that goes beyond theirs. It makes perfect sense to me that if there's a person living in this world that their greatest hope lies in who gets elected, why they would be so passionate about that person getting elected. But here's what happens for me. I realize that no matter who gets elected, God's still God and he's still in control. See, where we get to is we always come to this thing, but what if? Well, but what if this happens? What if they get elected? What if this happens? What if these people rise to power? What if I lose one of these? What if somebody does this to me? What if, what if is always the question, and here's the answer. God's never lost control. Not one time in the history of this entire planet has God ever not been in control. Not one time. We looked at it in Bible study this week. That while Jesus was staring in the eyes of his betrayer before he was sent to the cross, he was in control of that situation. He's the one that told him, go do what you got to do. Because you do it my way, not even your, he even told his betrayer how to betray him. God's never lost control. And I understand it's difficult for us to comprehend that we live in a country that's 200 and something years old that seems like forever because all the 49 years of my life, that's all I've known. But this country used to not be here, and one day it won't be here anymore. We don't want to hear that, but there's a kingdom that goes beyond this one, and God's never lost control. So here's what God's word says about times like this and about our behavior as followers of Jesus Christ. Let's look at Romans chapter 13 as our first verse. We're going to look at several of them today. Here's what Paul writes. Now, mind you, if you're not familiar with who Paul is, Paul wrote Romans before he actually went to Rome. 
But then when Paul actually made it to Rome, he made it to Rome as a prisoner. So most of the writings of the New Testament that Paul did were done from jail. And so consider that when you hear a lot of these words that Paul says. First thing he says, let everyone submit to the governing authorities. Since there's no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. And those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have its approval. For it is God's servant for your good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit, not only because of wrath, but also because of your conscience. And for this reason, you pay taxes, since the authorities are God's servants, continually attending to these tasks. Pay your obligations to everyone, taxes to those you owe taxes, tolls to those you owe tolls, respect to those you owe respect, even if it's just because they hold a position that commands respect, you give them respect. Honor to those you owe honor. Do not owe anything except love to one another. For the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and any other commandment are summed up by this commandment. Look here. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Even Paul, as he's in a situation where things weren't going his way from a governmental standpoint, is saying we submit to these authorities and we love our neighbor and the greatest thing that we can do is love our neighbor. That's the greatest thing that we can do. That's how we live this out. So we're instructed by God's word to pray for and support the leaders that God has given the task to govern where we are. You also understand that what he's saying about the lawbreakers is that it's the government responsibility to take care of, to take care of that situation. That's why you pay taxes. Now, you may disagree with the way it's being taken care of. You may not appreciate how it's happening. You may think you have a better idea. You may have that. doesn't change what God's authority and God's word says is we're supposed to do the right thing as a follower of Christ. Because our hope is not in the government. Our hope is not in the president. Our hope is not in the mayor. Our hope is not in the school board. Our hope is not in this pastor. Our hope is in Christ. And he's the one that goes above and beyond anything else. So what can I do? Love God, love others, and don't add to the problem. Don't add to the problem. Because here's the truth. No matter where I am in life, I can make the choice to love God and love others. I don't need a law passed for me to do that. I don't need anything to happen for me to understand. I can make the choice to love God and love others. Culture does not dictate the word of God. The word of God is the authority. It's the foundation. It's the beginning. It's the end. It's how we are saying that I realize I came to a point that my ways are not best, that God's ways are, so I'm going to spend my life following God's ways. 
Sometimes it doesn't necessarily make logical sense. Sometimes even popular opinion would lead you to say you are justified in thinking a different way, but God's word is always true. Let me give you an example from 1 Samuel. Israel had its first king, King Saul. King Saul ended up not being the greatest king. He disobeyed God. He started leading things down a direction that it didn't need to go. And so Samuel anointed the next king, King David. But David had not yet taken the throne. David had respect for the throne and for God's anointed as the first king. Everybody around David spent all their time saying, you should just take Saul out. You should just overthrow this thing. You should just let it go. And so David refused to do that. Saul would come after David. Saul was chasing David. One time David and his men had gone into a cave. And if you want to have a funny story, Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. He was there exposed alone with David and his entire group of men with him in the cave. And all his men are going, now's your chance, man. Now's your chance. Take him down, man. Now's your chance. And David gave in to peer pressure a little bit. He went up to Saul and he cut the end of Saul's robe off just to let him know, I could have done this. But then this is what God's word tells us about that. Samuel 24, 5 through 7. Afterward, David's conscience bothered him. Because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. He had disrespected the authority that was trying to kill him. And his conscience bothered him. He said to his men, as the Lord is my witness, I would never do such a thing to my Lord. The Lord's anointed. I will never lift my hand against him since he is the Lord's anointed. With these words, David persuaded his men and he did not let them rise up against Saul. And then Saul left the cave and went on his way. David was destined to become the king. David had already been given everything, but David knew that there was a right way to do this, and it was God's way. And God's word is the greatest authority, even though popular opinion may lead you somewhere else, even though the peer pressure may lead you somewhere else, God's way will lead us in a right way. So what does God's word tell us in times like this? Let's look at some of these. First Timothy Chapter 2, starting in verse 1. First of all then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good. And it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That comes out of 1 Timothy. It's one of the later books that Paul wrote. He wrote it in jail. Those words that he wrote were written in jail. Saying we need to pray for these people that are in charge. They got a tough job. We need to respect them. We need to remember that God wants them to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. In Titus chapter 3, verse 1, he's telling Titus, remind the people to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, 
living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. You know what I love about that passage? Not only does he give us an example of how we're supposed to live, being kind, considering others. Paul says, man, I remember being there. I remember being like that. I have compassion for what these people are feeling because they used to be me. Sometimes we forget that Paul actually had a moment in time in Acts. It talks about one of the times that he was arrested. He had gone to speak in front of the people. He made them all mad. So they rush him and they're trying to kill him. And the the soldiers show up to protect Paul, to take him out of there. And they're arresting him. And they're like, what do you want to do? And Paul goes, ah, it's okay. I, I, I know why they're mad. I used to be right where they are. Wow. So he writes to us what we're supposed to do at a time like this is remind us to submit to rulers and authority, to obey, to be ready for every good work. Don't slander anyone. Don't slander anyone, whether they're running for you or against you. So every time you click, I think I'm going to share that. Don't slander anyone. I mean, needless to say, and I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole real far, but needless to say, That studies have proven that false news travels seven times faster than real news, okay? And if everybody thinks that fake news is only coming from one side or the other, please. We live in a world that gives us a screen that is catered to what we think is right. Travel the nation Google something while you're in Texas, see what the suggestions are. You can go to New York and Google the same thing, see what the suggestions are. Go to California, see what the suggestions are. Computer knows where you are. It caters everything to make you think that you know everything. And you don't. Don't slander. Be kind. Show gentleness to all people. Realize you're once foolish, disobedient, deceived, and slaves. Peter puts it this way. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord. Because you are a follower of Christ, that's why you submit to human authority. Whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil, to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence, you ready for this? That you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Not by having a better zing than they did, but by doing good. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone, love the brothers and sisters, fear God, honor the emperor. This is written by men who are being persecuted by that authority because of their faith. And they're saying, this is how we are to live. And here's what we need to understand. Why can we do that? For us in particular, I'm going to speak to those in the room who are American, assuming that that's the majority of us, okay? We need to understand something. We have a dual citizenship, which means that I yield and wield authority. What do you mean, Pastor, by dual citizenship? I'm a Christ follower I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven who happens to also live in the United States of America as a citizen of the United States of America. If you want me to go further than that, I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud to be a Texan. 
I'm proud to be from Fort Worth because it's better than Austin, okay? Just say it, all right? It's the best city and the best state and the best country, amen? I know it because it's fact, right? So we all have opinions, but we, we need to understand that that pride, but the, the thing that I have most pride of in my life is I'm a child of the king. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And we need to understand that everything on this earth that has been created will one day be gone. And we need to understand that perspective. We also need to understand, now I'm going to say something here. I am, I'm not, and somebody asked me in, in one of these questions of, help me, help me understand God's word in the Constitution. And I'm like, oh my goodness. First of all, I hope that you're not putting those on equal ground. Because there's God's word and the Constitution. And I am not an expert in the law. I'm not a plumber either. That's why I call a plumber when I need stuff. I'm not a mechanic. That's why I take my car somewhere else. I'm not an expert of the Constitution. But here's what I can do. The first three words are called we the people. We the people. Which means that the responsibility of the leaders of the United States of America are to govern we the people. And I don't have to leave this room to find people I disagree with. And that disagree with me. Now multiply that by the millions of people that live in this nation and then run for president. And put yourself in a position that your responsibility is to govern these people. And, and think about the impossibility, and I said that for, on purpose. Think about the impossibility of saying my responsibility is to make sure that people who disagree have freedom to do what they want to do. You can't do that. At some point in time, you have to declare this is the authority. And for the followers of Jesus Christ, we did that the moment we said Jesus is the authority. And so whatever happens in this country is not going to change the authority and the word of God. I'll put it this way. An election is not going to be the ultimate remedy for the issues that are happening in our country. It's like taking an engine that's seized up and going, well, if I can just pour some more oil in it, it's already seized up. It's already there. It's already heading down a direction. Just putting new things in it isn't going to fix the engine. And I don't, I'm telling you, proud to be an American, proud to be, I love our country. I'm thankful for being where we are. But I also can stand back as a citizen and go, this is hard. Constitution, man, that, that's tough. You got people who are going to argue this side and this side very passionately, and it's not going to come. It's not going to come to a conclusion. So I'm a student of the Word of God, and I, I try to do what this thing says, but I understand that the Constitution is a document that was inspired by men and written by men, meaning it's not perfect. But this was inspired by God and, and written by God, and I know it's perfect and it will lead me to life. And so we need to understand and keep in perspective that no matter what happens in our lifetime, in our country, please, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing 50, and here's what I've noticed, that we're going to elect over here, and then 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 we're going to, oh my gosh, we're going to elect right here, and then we're going to elect right here, and then we're going to go over here, and then we're going to, that's what, it's what we, we do. Our country's been run by poor leadership. Our country's been run by good leadership. Amen? 
I probably voted for some that were poor. I probably voted for some that were good. I'm not right all the time. And what's going to happen in a few days isn't going to affect the fact that I can love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbor as myself. And when we think in such a narrow capacity, we forget that there's Christians living in countries that just by professing faith in God, they're threatening their own life. And they would love to live in this nation no matter who gets elected. Love it. Be a much better place. You see how the enemy can take all these messages and just stir up all this fear inside of you and make you believe that, oh my gosh, if we don't, if we don't do this, this. And then all of a sudden, if, and, and I love you enough to say, please get off. Just get off of Facebook and get away from the news. and get. It's just going to perpetuate these things. It's going to bring about fear. I will tell you honestly that in preparing for this message, it was hard to not just go, <laughs> bring it down here, bud. Bring it down. It's okay. All right. It's going to be all right because God's still in charge. Because you start getting into this stuff and you go, so what do we do then? 1 Corinthians. Chapter 10, here's what Paul says. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. This was a quote from the day. Everything's permissible, do what you want. He says, yeah, but not everything's beneficial. Everything's permissible, but not everything builds up. No one is to seek his own good, but the good of the other person. Now catch that. Paul's saying, not only does the culture tell us we have freedoms, which as Americans we do, but God's word also tell us, tells us we have freedom, that we are free in Christ. So we have double freedom. But he says, listen, not everything is beneficial. So just because you have freedom doesn't mean you should go do these things. And just because you have freedom, it's not for you actually. It's so that you can live for the good of the other person, following the example of Jesus Christ who laid his life down to the people who actually nailed him on the cross and was was dead and resurrected for the forgiveness of sins for our behalf, not for our rights, but for our life. And so while every candidate is telling us they're going to fight for our rights, Jesus has given us the example of saying, lay your rights down and just live for me. Quit worrying so much about this. Now hear me again, I'm not saying it's not important. Because what I believe you should do as a follower of Jesus Christ is I believe you should pray. I believe you should educate yourself as much as you can. And I should believe then you should act as God leads you in whatever process in the election that you feel led to do. That's what I feel like that you should do. And then what I mean when I say that we get to yield and wield authority means this. That God's word is clearly telling us that whatever authorities he has in place, that we get to yield authority. But there is opportunity for us as a citizen to say, we get to wield authority every once in a while by doing what? By voting. We actually get to have the authority to have a say in this. But then if that doesn't go or does go the way that we want it to, then what we immediately do is we go, now I yield to this authority. In the best way that I can, following God's word, that's what I'm going to do. Now, let me just go ahead and say, well, but what if, but what if, but what? I told you, it's one sermon, and it should be a conversation. I don't have time to go down every path that's in your head, but I just have time to remind you that God's still in control and that we should be ambassadors of hope, not ambassadors of chaos. Now, here's the truth. 
by following God's word, I may not change the world, but I can change my world. See, we look at those situations and we think, oh my goodness, this is going in a bad direction and I, and I want all that to change and hear me on this. I think that comes from a very sincere and loving place that we want this world to look different than it does at times. And I think that's an awesome motivation. But the truth is, by following God's word, he may not use all of us to change the whole world, but he'll use every one of us to change my world. You see, even if we just limit ourselves to a national view of things, as I already said, it's too small, it's too narrow to compare to God's. And so we operate based on love, not on legislation. Not one law needs to be passed for us to follow God's word. And nothing, praise God, in our country is keeping us from obeying God's word. Are there laws that are passed that are contrary to God's word? Yes. I'm not saying that, but... Hear me of what I'm saying. To love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbor and myself, I, I, don't, I don't need the government to tell me to do that. I can do that. So we want to love God and love others. In Matthew 5, Jesus says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before others so that they see your good works and give glory to God. That's how we're supposed to live, doing good to others and giving glory to God. In 1 Timothy, Paul writes again, for this reason we labor and strive because we put our hope in the living God. We put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. I love that. That particular phrase I love because I think this is what Paul's saying. Jesus is offering his love and his life to everybody. He is the savior of all people, but especially of those who follow him, especially those who believe it, who put their life in him, and who say Jesus is greater than all this stuff that I see going on in the world. And I hope that you hear me today that what I'm trying to do is encourage hope and help you to breathe a little bit. And I know that there are some concerning things that are happening in our world, and I'm not just trying to pat them on the head with the Bible and go, oh, God's going to take care of it all. I'm trying to remind us that we have a God that's bigger than all that. And we have a responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and love my neighbor as myself. And nothing that's going to happen in these next few days, months, or years is going to keep me from doing that other than me. But if I'm willing to do that, I can find life in doing this, and I can have hope, and I can have peace. Again, say it one more time because I think it's worth saying. These men that are writing this from jail, from the government that they're saying to respect has put them there, they're saying, let's just remember that we have a bigger mission than what we see in front of us in our day. And I think it will put these things in perspective. So I hope that you would commit to be an ambassador of hope. To be someone who would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself and not get caught up in all this as if God has lost control because he has not. God is in complete control. And no matter what happens, our responsibility is clear. That we're supposed to love them, support them, and pray for them in leadership. Anywhere we can support them, we want to support them. We have an opportunity 
to speak things into leadership's lives because we're an American citizen as well, but there's a way to do that with respect and honor, without slandering, without getting caught up in these things. But ultimately, I hope you have hope in the person of Jesus Christ. I want to end today a little bit differently. I want to invite you to pray with me, and we're going to pray for our nation, and we're going to pray for our leaders. And then we're just going to have a time where we share a chorus together that reminds us who the ultimate leader is in all these things. So would you pray with me? 